Time for this week's Hall Pass, and my special guest joining me via the Laser Hotline is White Snake drummer Tommy Aldridge. It's an honor to share the airwaves with you today, my friend. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, likewise. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. One of hard rock and heavy metal's most accomplished and influential drummers, an incredible career that has spanned roughly half a century, about 30 of which have been spent holding down the rhythm for the Mighty Snake. The band's forthcoming album, Lucky Number 13, entitled Flesh and Blood, is coming Friday. You know it's interesting, Tommy, that some bands fortunate enough to have any amount of heritage and relevancy are more than happy to rest on their laurels and tour exclusively on what they've already done. I'm not sure you've ever been in a situation like that, have you? Well, um, I don't. I hope not. I mean, we 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 take the opportunity with uh, with the deep uh, amount of seriousness. You know, when you get an opportunity to. Uh, to go in the studio and come up with something fresh and new without, you know, trying to just rehash the past. It's, it's a bit of a challenge and, uh, we, uh, take it very seriously. So we're grateful for the opportunity. So try to maximize it as to as best we can. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll put your lineage and experience up against virtually anybody's in terms of what you've been able to accomplish behind the kit for everyone from Black Oak, Arkansas to the Pat Travers band to Ozzy to Motorhead, Thin Lizzy, Ted Nugent, the list goes on. What has kept you coming back to Whitesnake time and again throughout your career? I think it's the same thing that uh, a lot of people, um, you know, uh, get from from White Snake music. Is it's kind of there's a there's an element of timelessness with it. The fact that it's kind of a a blues based uh, genre, you know, and there's always elements. The main, of course, the main ingredient has always been David, you know, uh, and I think the same thing that attracts everyone else to it. It's really um, well crafted music and usually well-played, and um, a, a real blessing to be able to contribute to it to whatever small amount I have over the years, you know. So that's pretty much the top and bottom of it. It's just a lot. It's very drumistic, the music. It's a lot of fun from a drummer's point of view, um, you know. And working with David is, you know, has always been a real joy. Yeah, well, you've worked with some of the most dynamic and bombastic frontmen. Do you find David's methods to be more suited to your personality and style when it comes to the creative process versus all the other big names you've played with? Uh, well, uh, the big, uh, there's not better or best or anything like that, you know, when it comes to music and art. But in terms of a working relationship with David, he's very serious about the music that always comes first. Nothing else gets in the way of that. There's not, you know, a lifestyle or, you know... Uh, anything like that gets in the way of that, and I really admire and appreciate that, and I try to uh, maintain that maintain that same attitude. If something is, um, you know, stands between myself and, the, and and getting the job done, I always eliminate that. You know, and so he has a very very uh, admirable work ethic, and uh, I re- admire and respect that. You know, and I think that in large part is really responsible for his his long tenure in in this business and mine as well, you know, just trying to to put the music and the work first and the other stuff, you know, was it Seeky first and all the, all the other stuff will, will follow, you know? So as long as we take care of the business, then all the other stuff, you know, kind of takes care of itself. Pretty much that. Yeah. It's work ethic. Yeah. I do love that everyone in this band gets to have his moments, especially in the live show. Your drum solos are something of legend, seeing all four of your limbs doing something different and keeping it coordinated and on rhythm. Not everyone can do that, no matter how hard they practice. <laughs> well, 
there's a lot of sleight of hand going on. So I'm just <laughs> really good at making people think I know what I'm doing. You know, <laughs> a lot of times it's just getting up there, and you know, you just you go with the flow. But I, I sit on my bottom 22 hours of the day, so if it's only two hours of my day that I really have to be responsible, you know. So it's not as challenging and, and overwhelming as it may seem, you know. It's actually a pretty easy gig, you know, and a lot of fun. When you were a kid, were you one of those kids that took out the pots and pans from the, you know, your mother's uh, pantry and then banged on those with spoons? or How did that all begin for you? Yeah, pretty much nothing was really safe. Um, I started <laughs> as a young boy, and, you know, I would just, you know, I would... Um, attack anything within reach you know and pretty much is the same is true these days you know it's like my mom said she my mom keeps waiting me for waiting for me to outgrow it but i don't know that that's going to happen at this point so yeah just the usual program you know tapping in you know around on anything i could get my hands on and then you know i got a pair of sticks and uh, a book of the rudiments you know and a practice pad and it just slowly evolved or in some people's opinion de-evolved you know over the years and the decades you know <laughs> the legendary tommy aldridge is my special guest today very excited to get our hands on flesh and blood the new album from white snake drops on friday you rightfully earned the reputation as a pioneer in many ways including the use of double kick which has become so incredibly prominent in hard rock and heavy metal in the years since i'm curious what initially led you to experiment with that idea and where it did it come from for you uh in my case well there wasn't a lot of information out there on bass drums when i started i started back in 1703 you know so i've been <laughs> at it for a bit um there wasn't a lot of information out there there were a couple of guys you know of course louis belson was a double bass guy and you know from the jazz swing era you know but he really didn't play a whole lot and then in that genre of music there wasn't a lot of opportunities and in my case, I just started using, I would take my right, my bass drum when I only was only playing one. I started very early on with two, but when I was only playing one, I would take it and I would switch it to the left, my left foot and put the hi-hat on the right side. And it wasn't that I had any particular um, goal or anything. It was a practice methodology for me to learn to do the same thing that I could do with my left foot, that I could do with my right foot with my left. And it's the same concept with rudiments, rudiments you know, teach you to use both sides of the brain and be able to do the same thing with your left side of your body as you can, as you could do with the right side, depending on, you know, if you're a right or left-handed dominant person or right or left-handed foot, uh, you know, dominant foot-wise. And it was just a matter of exercising. And a friend of mine, um, a drummer friend of mine, decided he was going to give it up, and I borrowed his bass drum and I just started using it as a as a as a practice tool, really, just to learn to to play the rudiments with my feet as I did with my hands. I thought, well, you know, as a young kid, it would probably benefit me at some point. And just those exercises that I did, learning single strokes and double stroke rolls and paradiddles and stuff on my feet and splitting them up that way, and then I started just applying them, just really not not in any musical context, but just as a practical practice context within a practice context. And some of the guys in the band said, oh man, that sounds pretty cool. Why don't you try playing it? So, you know, it just slowly evolved over time, you know. But for me, it started as just a, a way or a practice tool, you know, trying to teach my left foot to do the same thing that my right foot would do. I think I came to the realization that I would never be a drummer the day that I realized I'd also never drive a manual stick shift. <laughs> well, 
I tr- I played other instruments as I was coming up, and I always went back to drums. Uh, initially, I found it really challenging, you know, to kind of split yourself in half or in quarter quadrants like that. It's not the easiest thing to do, and it's very very tedious. You know, every young kid wants to have all the shiny stuff in a big massive drum kit, but once the real work comes, and that's just with a pair of sticks, you know, on a practice pad, and trying to separate the left from the right, and leading with the left, and so forth, and the the rudiments and and instilling the rudiments, the fundamentals of drumming is a very tedious um, endeavor, and that's why I think a lot of guys kind of give it up early on, you know. Before it's kind of like tennis, you have to spend a few years playing it before you can get to spin on the ball and really enjoy actually playing, you know, a game of tennis. You know, it takes years to develop a groove stroke and everything, and and there's a lot uh, in common, a lot parallel with learning the fundamentals of drumming. It's it's, yeah, it's kind of nerve wracking. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine. You turn the corner, you know, the learning curve is pretty steep. Yeah, you know? yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, a few more items for you here, Tommy. And again, I appreciate you taking the time for me. Aside from playing virtually every day how do you challenge yourself to continue to innovate and live up to that reputation you've earned over time yeah you ask really good questions <laughs> thank you um it's um i spend so much time working on the road that believe it or not the most out of practice i guess when i'm out touring i'm really good at playing this particular t- songs that we're playing night after night but to to get go in my drum room with nothing and come out with something it's 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 ever more challenging particularly uh on on a non non chromatic instrument like the drums and it being the oldest instrument on the planet it's uh you know there's not a whole lot that hasn't been said or done not to say that there's not a lot more to be done of course there certainly is but just taking the rudiments and approaching them from a different way and being creative with them. And that's each individual way each individual does it. And um, there's some amazing stuff that gravity is being defied on a minute by minute basis these days on the drums. It's really, it's really scary. Some of the stuff that's being played. <laughs> and if you think about it, it's all based on the same language of our instruments, which are the rudiments. And so everything comes from, from, from those, those phrases and things. So it's what each individual brings to it from a personality standpoint and from what they have to say from a creative perspective, you know, because what will distinguish one drummer for the next is how, what he has to say, you know, and only that person can say that. So if he doesn't say it, it's not going to get said. So going in the drum, going in my drum room and trying, like again, trying to come out with something that I haven't played before, I haven't heard before. That was my approach early on trying to come out of my drum room with something that was usable that I hadn't heard someone else to pl- play before. And that's um, that's a real challenge. And a lot of it, the, the drummer doesn't have a whole lot to, uh, to do with it apart from doing the due diligence, you know, of getting all the fundamentals together, but just being in a perspective creatively to get the download, you know, because it, it really does come from above. No real responsible musician can really take credit for much of the creative aspect in their playing because that's a gift. That's not something that you learn by hours and hours in your drum room. People can teach you how to say what you have to say, but nobody can teach you what you have to say. Only you know that, you know. And so the creative aspect of it is certainly a gift. And most really successful musicians I know are really quick to point that out and, and be in a real... Um, position of gratitude for that because it's like a beautiful woman. You come out of the room looking that way. You didn't have anything to do with it, you know. So <laughs> sure. you have to have a perspective of gratitude about it. You know, I don't take any credit for any 
thing that people may per, uh, perceive that uh, that was uh, specifically for me because it really isn't. You know, I was just in the right place at the right time and just try to be receptive to the creative download. You know, I only take credit for the mistakes. <laughs> well, how do you get better if you don't, I've made right? Enough of those. Yeah, Lord knows I've made enough of those, you know. You know, you mentioned other musicians, and I think what you just said goes for any instrument. It really does. Oh, absolutely. I don't mean just drums. I speak, yeah, any creative endeavor, you know, whether it be an accountant or a lawyer or a speechwriter or, you know, any any, any creative endeavor, yeah. Sure. But, I mean, the caliber of players that you've shared creative space with over your career, that's got to be a big part of the inspiration to challenge yourself as well. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the gifts of just doing the due diligence and really trying to be in the right place at the right time. I really feel that luck favors the brave. I don't I don't think that anything happens just because there's good luck or bad luck or anything like that. And and part of the blessing that I was trying to describe is being in the company of, of, of those kind of musicians. And what they do is they kind of grab you by the scruff of their neck and pull you up to their level. It's really an amazing uh, process and being in the midst of it and having experienced several times, particularly with the likes of like Randy Rhodes is probably at the very, you know, top of that list, you know. Um, he, when you're in the company of those kind of musicians, it really does, it raises your level of play. And it's that the, the old, that old phrase, you're only as good as your weakest link, and nothing really personifies that as much as kind of in a musical perspective, particularly in a band situation. You're only as, as good as the guys or the girls that you're working with, you know? Well, and I'll tell you what, Tommy, that I love this lineup of White Snake. You guys are all killers. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun, and there's been some really great ones over the years. And uh, one's not better than the other. Again, in this case, we've been working together for quite some time now uh, without any changes, <laughs> believe it or not. And uh, not only are guys really capable on their instrument, but they're just really sweet people. That makes a huge difference. Like Randy Rhodes, just, a lot of people think that just because they're good on their instrument or good at what they do, whether it be an athlete or a business person or anything, that they can be a real dick, you know? Sure. I've found the opposite to be true. I've found that the, 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 the really substantial, substantially talented people are really aware of where their talent came from and are very humble and for the most part, um, live in a place of gratitude. And when people live in a place of gratitude, you know, they're really nice folks, you know, because they understand that they didn't have a lot to do with anything that's really happening as far as the blessing in their lives, you know. Amen. Except just trying to be there and taking taking advantage of it, you know. So, yeah, I'm so grateful for all the people that I've worked with over the years. They, in large part, are responsible for the way that I play. I've learned so much from so many people, not not just drummers, from other musicians, you know. I've gotten so many ideas on my drums that have been inspired from what I've heard from a guitar player or a singer or a bass player or whatever, you know. So it's not really instrumentally specific. I'll bet you've got stories for days, and I wish we had time to hear them all here today. Have you ever considered writing a book, Tommy? Uh, well, uh, I, people ask me that a lot, and... Maybe I will at some point. I have a lot of things compiled. I haven't actually done it. Everybody wants to, you know, I'm here. Most, the most interest is mostly around Randy and, and, and that because of, maybe because Randy's gone, not so much, you know. But the, if you try to tell the true story, you get in trouble with other people hmm. <laughs> still around in, sure. in the business, you know. The truth, uh, you know, in some people's perspective has a, a way of rearing its ugly head from time to time, and, and a lot of people don't want to hear it. So, yeah, at some point, maybe I will 
you know, finalize something and, 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 and get something published, you know. I have uh, 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 some stories, yeah, that I've collected over the years, you know. No doubt. The pinnacle of success from your perspective, are you living that right now? The pinnacle of success? Um, I think, um, I don't know about what, that's a pretty, some, that's a pretty, lo- some pretty lofty term, terminology. I don't know if I would call it that, but the fact that I've in, uh, that I'm doing quite well in a business that's notorious for, uh, making very, very short careers, you know, it's almost like a professional athlete, a professional athlete, like in the NFL, where they have like five or six years of shelf life, if you know, that, and, yeah. you know, off to the junkyard, you know, for different reasons. But, uh, and you know, the genre of music that I've, I've, I've worked in and lived in my whole career, uh, is, is, is famous for that as well. So, uh, the fact that I'm still out here and, um, and still doing well, you know, and, and, and people are kind enough to t- take up their time and make the effort to come and, and see and hear the bands that, I, that I've worked with. It's very gratifying and it's very complimentary, you know, without, uh, so, um, I don't, again, I don't know if it's the pinnacle, but, uh, the fact that I'm still doing it, you know, in a, in a usually, uh, very short lived, uh, situation, yeah, I feel very blessed and, yeah, very, uh, consoled sometimes by that, yeah. Well, if it were up to me, you'd already be a Rock Hall of Famer for all you've contributed in this amazing career. It's really been a pleasure. Again, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show as we look forward to the release of Flesh and Blood on Friday. Tommy, thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much. Thank you for your very thoughtful questions. You have no idea how much I appreciate them. Well, they're coming from a longtime fan of yours, and I'd love to have you on the show again sometime. Love to be it. Love to do it, man. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. God bless. Bye.